Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez. Anybody watching on YouTube, a little bit of a different location while I'm in Southern California um, until media day here. But continuing this offseason preview series and going with the Detroit Pistons today. And for that, I have Ku Cahill joining me, who is host of the Locked On Piston podcast. What's going on, Ku? How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Appreciate you having me on. Hope to have a lot of fun. Yeah, man, I appreciate you joining me for sure. Um, I always start these with, it's a very vague question, but kind of getting your perspective on what last year was like for your team. So for the Detroit Pistons, ended up finishing 14th in the East, 23 and 59. Um, But take that however, whatever direction you want and however long you need. Can you kind of walk us through what the experience of last year was like for you? Uh, It was... It was a mixed bag. Obviously, they didn't win very many games at all. Um, They ended up finishing as one of the worst teams in the NBA, but they seem to have found their face of the franchise and Cade Cunningham and finally getting that after how long it's been since the Pistons were successful like that, going all the way back probably to like 2008 since Chauncey, Rip, uh, Ben, Rashid, all those guys. Um, To finally have a guy that that makes you feel like that things will, he's going to lead change that kind of just had an overarching like vibe to it. So even when games were lost and even when, you know, some guys didn't show up or some of the other storylines that were going on throughout the season, losing games, et cetera, there was always that overarching story that, you know, you got your franchise guy that kind of made everything a lot better. Um, But yeah, it it was a mixed bag. It was fun watching Kate a lot, seeing him grow throughout the season. Um, The second half of the season definitely was a lot more fun after the trade deadline. Uh, because the roster started to make a little bit more sense due to some trades they made um, and some some rotation things that went on. Um, so it's, it was a lot more fun in the second half. A little bit of a mixed bag beginning of the year throughout, until January or so. Um, but like I said, just overall having Kate Cunningham on the roster and knowing that you have your franchise guy now just made it all like worthwhile and made it fun at the end of the day. For sure, definitely envious of having a Cade caliber of player on uh, on the roster that you cover. And I think even with the year that Mobley had, Scotty winning MVP, like I think most people would still look at Cade as as the number one pick in that draft, even in hindsight. He, he looks phenomenal moving forward as like an offensive engine. Um, but what do you want to see going into year two as the the progression in, in his game? So I think the, the biggest thing, and it's, it's kind of funny to talk about it now, because when when K was drafted, and you know in the Pistons community, and obviously it was talked about in the draft community as well. But some of the things that people thought that maybe he would struggle with, and what he would thought what people thought he would then be strong at right out the gate, it was like the complete opposite of what actually ended up happening. Um, coming into the season, everyone thought that he would be a, a really nice shooter, but may have trouble finishing around the rim because people questioned whether he had the kind of athleticism. Because I think that was always kind of stupid. I feel like it was only really talked about because the guy drafted right after him was like a freak athlete. So a freak athlete compared to just a good athlete makes a good athlete look like he's not very good athlete, but Kate is a good athlete. Um, But what ended up happening was he ended up struggling with his shooting, but actually was really good finishing around the basket. So it was like completely different of what actually ended up happening for him. Uh, So going into his second year, I think everyone's looking forward to seeing if he can be a more consistent shooter and get that shot coming back. Um, He was a really nice shooter in college. Um, Throughout training camp and in, in the summer league, I know that's not a lot of sample size, but college, summer league, and some of the training camp, everyone thought that the shooting was what was going to show up. And then for whatever whatever reason during the season, that was the most inconsistent part of his game. So 
I feel like a lot of people are in belief that that shooting is going to come around um, and he's going to take a big jump in there in that department. Um, but yeah, I think that definitely is the big part of his game that he has to take a step forward in this year. Because we all like what we see with him getting to the basket, six six, six seven, however tall he actually is. I know it like ranges from six eight to six six, depending on who you ask. Um, but with a seven foot wingspan, a good athlete, able to finish around the rim with both hands, all that kind of thing. If he can get his shooting together and make that more consistent, I think it's going to be incredibly hard for anybody to guard him in the NBA. Yeah, it makes sense. I I think I have a lot of faith that Cade will become one of the best players in the league. I, I think he's just freaking phenomenal as a prospect. And then obviously the Kings have uh, some ties to Detroit specifically when you look at draft night where the Kings end up taking Keegan Murray fourth. And obviously that means Jaden Ivey falls to the Pistons at five. Um, can you kind of walk me through your perspective on draft night? Was it a like, thank God Ivy fell? And if Ivy was taken at four, did you feel like Murray was going to be the guy at five for Detroit? Um, so I'm going to be completely honest. I'm not going to show any, like, you know, after the fact, try to sound like I was all for Jane Ivy. I was not for Jane Ivy at the time. I also wasn't for Keegan Murray at the time either for the Pistons at five. I thought what I thought was going to happen heading into the draft. I thought the Kings were going to trade that pick, move back and get Keegan Murray around like six, seven or eight, wherever they were going to trade back to. And then whoever trade up to four was going to get Jane Ivy. And then the Pistons would have to select between Keegan Murray, Shaden Sharp, Ben Matherin, something like that. And the player that I wanted the Pistons to get was Shaden Sharp. I thought Shaden Sharp was the home run pick. Uh, he has, I think, the highest ceiling of a lot of these guys, but also probably the lowest floor. Uh, there's a lot of questions about him, and I felt like in the position the Pistons were in, they should have taken the swing for the home run prospect that I feel like has the highest ceiling out of all of them. Um I have questions about Keegan Murray's ceiling. I know he looked really good for you guys in summer league. He looked really, really good. Um, so maybe he proves that wrong. Maybe he proves the ceiling doubters wrong. I know that was a question about him heading into into the draft. Um, but that's why I wasn't as high on Keegan. And then with Jane Ivey, I feel like Jane Ivey was – and he's with the Pistons now, and I'm very happy that he's with the Pistons. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Jaden now. Um, but heading into the draft, I thought that Jane had some half-court issues that kind of concerned me. And I question whether he's actually going to be able to develop all of that. Now, if he does, I think he has some pretty high ceiling. I think he can be an all-star. Um, but yeah, heading into the draft, I thought the Kings were going to trade back out of that. The Pistons, I wanted the Pistons to take Shane Sharp. Um, but without with how it shook out, I think all of us are pretty happy on, on the Kings side and the Pistons side. You guys getting Keegan Murray and then, you know, the Pistons and the Pistons fan base being happy with um, Jane Ivey. I, he brings a type of athleticism and explosiveness the Pistons probably haven't had since like I don't even know like how far I don't know who else like maybe Blake in 1819 but he wasn't even that explosive then um, maybe rookie year Andre Drummond I don't know I, like I, it goes a far way back so we're excited for Jay and Ivy for sure yeah it makes sense I definitely had the same like ceiling concerns like I think most people did with with Keegan and I had the same expectations that the Kings were going to end up trading that pick and obviously didn't end up happening. And seems like the front office is pretty happy with Keegan. Like you said, he had a good summer league. Take that for what you will. And maybe he will uh, prove people wrong when it comes to that ceiling, myself included. And I hope I am wrong, but it uh, kind of TBD at this point. And with Ivy getting picked up, I think it makes a somewhat interesting situation for Killian Hayes. Like I get with what he'd so shown so far that maybe you don't alter your, your draft 
philosophy because he's on your roster. But going into year three of Killian, who was a seventh overall pick not long ago, I was really high on him coming out of the draft. Uh, what have you kind of seen so far and where is like the level of hope at with him going into year three? So um, I'm really high on Killian Hayes. I really like Killian. Um, I know that not a lot of people do think highly of Killian now. I, he is probably the most divisive player in the Pistons community. Um, I really like Killian. I, I, I really think he can be something special still. I still believe in that. Um, the thing with Killian is that he's only had he, – he's played two, two NBA seasons but only has one season's worth of NBA games and didn't cross that until like the end of last year when he finally crossed like 82-game mark. Um, he's dealt with injuries. Uh, he After his first year, he went from having the keys handed to him to be like, oh, you're going to be the point guard of the future to, oh, now we got Kay Cunningham. Now we need you to do something different. There's been a lot of things that changed for Killian, um, and obviously the injury hurt him a lot. He hasn't performed to expectations for sure. Uh, he struggles a lot offensively so far. Um, Shooting-wise, he's been very inconsistent from outside. Um, and getting to the basket and consistently being aggressive getting to the basket has been a big question mark for him. Um, but towards the second half of last season, um, there was just a stat that I just uh, talked about on the podcast a few days ago that I, I believe he ranked in like the 81st percentile and finishing around the basket for the last, like I think it was the last seven or eight weeks of the season. And in that 81st percentile, was like Kyrie Irving, uh, Jason Tatum, like other guys like that in there. So he looked, the second half of last season, getting to the basket, being aggressive, he looked pretty good. Um, and if he can carry that over, he's already so like good defensively, and he's such a good playmaker and such a good passer that if he can add that slashing ability to his offense or if he can add an outside shot to his offense or simply being more aggressive, I think that's the biggest thing with Killian is that it feels like he has confidence issues because some games will be super aggressive, then other games he's not aggressive. I feel like as long as he's just super aggressive, I feel like there's a really good, like a really damn good player in there. Because a guy at his at his size, 6'5", like 6'8", 6'9", wingspan, strong guy, 220, um, a great defender already, a really good passer, really good playmaker. If he can add something on the offensive end, he's one. Of, he, he's going to be extremely valuable. So I don't think the Pistons are completely out on, on him yet. He was Weaver's first selection. Uh, so I don't think they're completely out on him yet. Um, but I definitely think this is his do-or-die season with the Pistons. I don't think this is his do-or-die season in the NBA, but with the Pistons, I think it is. I think this is his year to prove, is he going to be a part of the Pistons' future or not? Yeah, it definitely makes sense. Uh, the space creation, like step-backs coming out of France were were crazy to me. And if that outside shot like goes down like you're talking about or improve finishing around the rim, kind of – or keeps it up from carrying over at the end of last year, kind of like you pointed out there. Definitely still see the reason for optimism. Just turned 21 not long ago, right? Couple. Yeah, months, he's, uh, he's extremely young, man. He's extremely young. And the, the creation, like you were saying, that's one of the main reasons why I believed in him. Going into the draft and like after they drafted, I didn't know much about him. I wasn't super high on him. But after watching him, I can see the player in him because his biggest issue is putting the ball in the basket. But getting to that point, I think he's actually pretty good. He creates a lot of space. Uh, with he has a really like I, I call it a yin yang kind of handle. He likes to yank people around. He has a really nice handle. He creates a lot of space on his moves. Um, he when he's confident, he does a lot of like what I, I again I would call and one kind of moves. Um, there's that one highlight he has when he goes like behind the back and transition on Mason Plumley and finishes with an and one. Um, every now and then you get that like flashiness with his handle when he's confident, and that's why I believe in him because I see him create space. It's just a matter of can he get 
can he take advantage of the space he creates? That's one of the main reasons why I still believe him. You think he's behind Ivy in the rotation this year? I, I'd have to say yes, but with the trade they just made for Boyan Bogdanovich, I think it's I think anything's up in the air right now. I think if I had to take a guess right now, I think Ivy starts, but I think Killian probably closes games right now. That's my guess. Okay. And and the trade that you talked about, I got lucky with this timing. We had this plan right. and then <laughs> this, this morning uh the Pistons end up trading for Bojan Bogdanovich and they traded away um shoot, I don't have this in front of me. Can you remember Kelly Olinick Kelly Olinick and Sabin Lee? Um which does this like give you a clear answer to they are going to try win to win games this year? Is that kind of the big takeaway here? No. I, I don't think they're going I don't think they're trying to win games. I think they're trying to I think they're trying to assemble a like comp, competent team. Like they don't want to go out there and just get blasted. Like that's not what they want to do. They don't want to go out there and get blown out. They want to be competitive in games. But I don't think they're trying to win games. I don't think Boyan Bogdanovich wins you games anyway. I, like I think they go from like I think they probably go from winning 26 27 games to maybe like 29 30 now. Like they're, like around that. I don't think he's increasing it that much. Um, but I think what he does do, why I don't think he adds a ton in the win column. I think he adds a lot in, again, them just being competitive and helping the young guys develop. This team desperately lacks spacing desperately. Like at one point last season, like in January, they had like a historically awful shooting team, like not just that season, but historically awful shooting team. They desperately need spacing, some offensive scoring, and he does that for them. So I think he's going to bring that. And hopefully space the floor for Cade, Ivy, and Killian um, and, and bring some of that to where, yeah, again, I don't think it's going to win them a ton more games, but I think it's going to make them a lot more competitive, make the atmosphere, which these young players are going to be playing under, a lot more competent and a lot more competitive. I think that helps in development too. So I think that's what their plan is. Because if you just put out a bunch of trash players around them, it's going to be hard for these guys to do anything. They're trying to get better. They're trying to learn, all that stuff. It's hard to do that when you're playing with a bunch of you know not good players. If you can put them put around guys who are okay, good players, but not good enough to win a lot of games, then I feel like you can accomplish both getting a high draft pick and development in the same season. I think that's what they're going for. Definitely makes sense. And they hardly had to give up anything, at least from my perspective, uh, to to go and get them. And, and you could flip them again at the at the deadline. And right. I think I, that's the, I think that's probably the plan with them to go ahead when the deadline comes around. Contenders are going to realize. You know, we need this. We need some offensive scoring at the wing. Maybe someone else who didn't think they'd be a contender or something. They're having a really good year. They need to add one more piece, et cetera. I think that's probably their plan right now. So does this mean anything to Marvin Bagley from your point of view? Bagley just got that three-year, $37.5 million extension. I kind of thought prior to this that he would be in the starting lineup, and now I question it a little bit. Uh, how do you think this affects Marvin? So Marv, I don't think it affects like I think he's going to get the same amount of minutes nonetheless. I, I think I had him penciled in around probably like twenty-seven to thirty minutes a game. That's I think he's still going to get that. Um, I had him starting as well before this trade, but I don't know if he's starting now. The thing is, is that the Pistons roster still doesn't make a lot of sense. Like their rotation is very much like like I feel like the only locks in the rotation really are like Cade and Sadiq. Like, you know, they're going to be starters. You know, you know, that's that's their role. Everyone else, you don't know what the hell their role is going to be. You don't know who's going to get minutes. You don't know who's going to be playing opening night, like all that stuff. It's very, like, confusing, especially their big man rotation. So the thing is, if you start Bogdanovich with Sadiq, 
and Cade. Uh, let's just say whoever at, at the two guard, Jaden, Killian, Alec Burks, whatever. They're going to need defense. And that's where Stu, Isaiah Stewart comes in. So you have to start him at the five because he's bringing you the defense. But if you put him at the five, now you're without a lob threat and a rim pressure on the rim, which Cade completely changed this game and took it to another level when Marvin Bagley showed up and gave him that. Him and Marvin Bagley have insane connection, and they were great on the court together. So I feel like the Pistons are going to basically have to choose, do we want to add defense to this lineup that basically has none because you can't, Sadiq and Boyan are not good defenders? Or do you want to give Cade his lob threat and Marvin Bagley and basically punt defense and say, we're just going to go out and try to score more points than you. We're going to try to just run you out the gym, basically. So I don't know which route they're going to go. I think Boyan Bogdanovich does start. I think they'll probably start Sadiq at the four or Boyan, whichever one. And then it just comes down to three guys at the five. It comes down to Stu, Marvin Bagley, or Jalen Duran. And I, I don't know what who's going to be the answer there, but I do know that Marvin Bagley is very much liked in, in the Pistons organization. Their coaching staff. He's going to get his minutes nonetheless. It's just a matter of is he going to start or not. Interesting. And a lot of playing him at the five, huh? I mean, if the thing is, it's like you have to tr- – I think what the Pistons are going to have to try to find out this year and what it sounds like they're trying to find out is how to play him defensively. Like that is like the – because offensively, you can play him at the five. You can play him like in the pick and roll, have him be like the five offensively. But then defensively, like do you play him a drop? Do you play him a drop at the five? Do you just play switch across the board and have like another big guy next to him that can kind of get you know more physical down low with him? Like it, it, you, they really need to find out is there any kind of answer to him on like on the defensive end because that's his question mark. That's his biggest question mark. Um, I'm sure a lot of Kings fans know that already. Yeah. Um, so they're going to try to find that out. I think what I, I really want to see them try him in the drop coverage at five because I saw him in switch last year for the Pistons and it didn't work. And I didn't see drop at all with the Pistons for anybody last year. So I saw switch happen. It didn't work. It was not working. They just shot right over him all the time. The one thing about him in switch, though, I don't know if you guys like are like if this stood out with you guys too. He doesn't jump a lot in the switch. Like when he switch out on guys, he doesn't really fall for any pump fakes a lot, at least in Detroit, which you think that would be good. But he also just backs up, backs off of guys way too far and like gives like late contests that don't really matter. So he, Switch coverage hasn't worked. I think they should try him in the drop. I don't know if that's going to work either, but they have to try find something. I think what they wanted to do was put him next to Stu so Stu could take up like some of the, the banging down low and let let him roam around the perimeter defensively. But not with this. I don't know like I don't know like how they're going to do that. For sure. I I think that yeah, the question with Bagley definitely came on the defensive end and there was a lot to figure out with being efficient on offense, but having a pick and roll guy with Cade uh, I, I definitely could see how that's that's pretty beneficial to them. And I, I noticed kind of when you were going through those bigs, you didn't mention Nerlens Noel. Is he the one on the outside here? Again, I, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Because after they trade for Nerlens Noel, I thought he was going to get eventually like either like tr- he waived or traded or something. But then immediately after they traded for him, they said that the Pistons wanted to keep both him and Alec Burks because they thought they were good pieces for this team this year. So, th- But then they go and draft Jalen Duran too. So it's like, okay – as Jalen Duran, who's the youngest player in the NBA, is he going to start in the G League? That that would probably make some sense. He's the youngest guy. You don't want to rush him. You can let him like take his time, and then you can play Norman Noel. Or do you want to get Jalen Duran some minutes instantly, and now Noel doesn't play? I don't know. I feel like if you have Noel on the team, 
he's he's not at the point in his career when he's just like a 38-year-old that just could be riding the bench. He can still give some stuff. So I don't think the Pistons would do him dirty like that to where he's just going to be riding the bench clapping. Like I, I don't – Weaver has is a player's GM. He makes sure he, do, he does right by his players. I don't think they'd do that to him. But I also don't think they want to just like completely like throw to the side Jalen Duran for his whole rookie year. So I don't know. I think the most likely outcome is that they kind of do what they did last year with Bagley where um, – they have Duran Ryan, the G League play, playing a little bit throughout the beginning of the year, and then at the deadline, they move Noel and then let Duran come up, and then the roster looks more makes more sense after the deadline, like they did last year with Bagley. That's my my guess, but who knows? Again, I who who the hell knows what's going to happen? Dwayne Casey's going to have. I, I don't wish to be in his job for for this one right here. Makes sense for sure. Duran being a, I, I forget that he's the youngest guy in the league until you mentioned that, but. Uh, you know, trading up and getting him or trading back into the draft and getting him at 13 and then taking on Kemba Walker as well. Uh, I didn't realize all the protections on the pick that they gave up until kind of preparing for this. And just to walk through for listeners, uh, they traded a, Detroit traded a future first to New York in this deal. Uh, that's top 18 protected in 2023. Same protections, top 18 in 2024. Top 13 protected in 2025, top 11 protected in 2026, top nine protected in 2027. If it doesn't convey, then it goes into two second rounders. Is there any aspect of like worried about having a pick locked up for that long when it comes to that deal? Or is it just like, you know, it's a steal that you got during at 13. So that's fine. So actually, I think if I if I'm doing this correctly, I believe that the first round pick they traded him was the 2025 Milwaukee Bucks trade. Bucks pick that they got and then that pick that the Knicks have the the protection ones was one they traded to Houston and then Houston traded to New York so New York has both their picks basically they have the one they trade because they traded Jeremy Grant for 2025 first that was belonging to uh, right. Milwaukee and then they used that to flip that for Durham but then New York already had the Pistons first round pick from a, a previous trade I think with the Rockets or something um, and the the original protections came in that Christian Wood trade they trade Christian Wood for Isaiah Stewart, I believe, on draft night. However, your question maintains because there is worry about the the protections on that first round pick and the fact that the Pistons don't really have a first round pick to trade. Um, now they could get like like complicated with it and trade like I think they can do like the oh we'll trade you the one through seventeen and if it goes one through seven you guys get it if it goes eighteen blah blah, blah. but you can't really trade it you have to get complicated with it. So I think that's the. It, it, that, that's the only concern with the Pistons right now because they have a lot of flexibility cap wise, but like with their picks, they don't have a first round pick they can just move around. You can't trade a future round first round pick if you don't own it, like if it's still owed to another team. So it's going to be interesting how they do that because Weaver has preached that he wants, like he likes flexibility. He likes being able to go out and make a bunch of moves. I think a lot of people who have kept up with the Pistons know that he likes to have flexibility and likes to be able to do a lot of stuff. And I think that's what they're going to aim to do. That's my overall like takeaway from the Boyan trade is I think they're going to use him to try to get another future first that he can then use in more trades again. Like I, I think that's the move there, but definitely um, it, I don't like having the Pistons first round pick out there protected that long. Uh, Cause it, it kind of like it hamstrings or like strings you. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it, it handicaps you a little bit, handicaps you a little bit and what kind of trades you can do. Uh, with your future first so yeah I, I it's not I'm not worried about losing it I don't think the Pistons are ever going to lose I think it most likely scenario to be honest I think they might even like turn to the seconds maybe like maybe they lose it when it goes into top 11 
I'm not worried about that. I'm just worried about having the flexibility to move around picks if you want to go like if a if like a star wants out or something, the Pistons want to go after him, it's gonna kind of it, it it caps them with what they can do. Yeah, the Kings have a similar scenario, although not this extreme with the Kevin Herter <laughs> yeah. deal they just did, uh, which is top 14 protected in 2024, goes top 12 protected in 2025, top 10 protected in 2026, and then it goes into two seconds, so not quite as long. And thanks for clarifying that the pick and which one this was because trying to figure out this whole process, that draft day, draft day trade was the most confusing thing to figure oh, out at the time it happened, man. Dude, so I'm on like the locked on... I'm on the lockdown draft thing, you know, doing my, you know, the, the review of the Jane Ivy, Jane Ivy pick. And then like this news hits my phone that, Oh, Jalen Duran has been traded. And I knew that Jalen Duran was really liked by Troy Weaver. I was like, okay, is it the Pistons getting him? And then you had, I think it was Sean said the Pistons are getting him. And then Woj said the, the Hornets or not the, was it the Hornets that no, the Hornets trade out of it. They said the Knicks was getting him, And then they said, Oh no, he's going to the Pistons. And then it, it was like they they contradicted each other with multiple who was getting traded, what pick was going where, who was getting picks. Like it was, it, 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 the draft kept going, so we didn't get clarity until yes. a while later. Like I was the only one at the Kings draft, like uh, on the media area that they had all set up for us that was trying to figure out what the hell was going on with this deal, and I could not for the life of me. It was it was like it was incredibly stressful because everyone in the Pistons community knew that Weaver really loved Darren going into the draft, and a lot of us wanted so badly to get Darren. So when that trade was brought up and it was like, oh, he's going to the Pistons. No, actually, he's going to the Knicks. We were all just sitting back for like 30 minutes like, bro, please, please say he's going to the Pistons. This would be absolutely heartbreaking if we were got, like teased like this. But thankfully, did go to the Pistons. It definitely was pretty stressful, though, for, for a minute there. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, Duran does obviously end up in Detroit. Uh, what's, again, you mentioned youngest player in the league. I, I know it's not about right now when it comes to his production, but how how do you feel about his ceiling in, in the future and, and kind of, yeah, I mean, how how good do you feel about having Duran on this roster? I think he could be really, really good. I've seen some people go as far as to saying they think his ceiling could be. I don't necessarily agree with this guy. I usually don't like putting these kind of ceilings on players because it's most likely impossible to get there. Like rarely do players ever reach their absolute ceiling. Um, but I've seen a few people say his ceiling, absolute ceiling is like a bam out of bio type. And I don't know if he can get, I don't think he's going to get there. That's pretty damn like great to get to. Um, but I definitely see like the comparisons. He's passing was not something that was incredibly hyped up, but he actually has, he has really good passing chops for a guy his size. Um, his pressure that he puts on his rim on the rim he is just he's an explosive as hell athlete like he is a crazy good athlete um he gets he can jump out the gym so he tries to dunk everything too that like those two combinations are terrifying for defenses you got a guy who can jump out the rim and he doesn't try to play like a guard like he's trying to use that athleticism every time he goes up and he wants to put you on a poster it's tough it's 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 scary stuff um and then also defensively I think he can become a really damn good rim protector too. And he has some potential to be able to switch on the perimeter too. Uh, he showed um, in the summer league, obviously a little bit in college to be able to move his feet in the perimeter a little bit. He's very raw right now, very raw, but I think a lot of people are very happy about him. And a lot of people think that he's going to be the Pistons center of the future. Um, and I, I, I think that as well, I think he's probably going to be their center of the future, but they're going to probably take it slow with them, especially with Noel on the team still. Um, but yeah, we all very much love Jalen Duran. I think his ceiling is incredibly high. 
Yeah, it's easy to see why for sure. Uh, where does that leave Isaiah Stewart, who is somebody that I think is very easy to like and enjoy to watch play, just the energy that he brings. And I was shocked that his game translated as well as it did, like after all the post-ups that he had at Washington. It was just such a question mark, of like what does this guy look like in the NBA? And I thought that he's looked really well. But uh, where do you kind of feel like his projection is moving forward? And is he a starter in your mind long term? So you're you're, gonna, you're talking to who the Pistons fan base has dubbed the Isaiah Stewart hater. You're, that's who that's who you're talking to here. So just keep that in mind. I, I, gotcha. If you want to talk to someone who's a Isaiah Stewart fan in the Pistons community, try to get that side of the story. I, I I wouldn't blame you, but I'm not. I'm so you're right that he's a very easy player to root for. It's very easy to see why fans grew, grow attached to him and want him to be like amazing. Like it's very easy to see that plays extremely hard every time he comes on the court he's giving it his all like absolutely cannot take that away from him however he's uh, so actually you know let me give you some positives about him first i don't want to just come on here and like brag him he's a really good defender he's probably one of the best centers in the nba at switching out on the perimeter and guarding guards there's one video i don't know if anyone who listens to this have seen it there's a video like two plays when they played against chris paul and he gets switched down Chris Paul, and like one of them, he forces a shot clock violation. The other one, he just he turns uh, Chris Paul turns the ball over. He's excellent getting out on the perimeter and switching on guys. So he absolutely has value because of that. That kind of thing at the big man position at the five is incredibly valuable, especially especially in the playoffs. So that's where his value comes from, the defensive end doing that. And he's actually an underrated rim protector. Um, so he has value over there. Offensively, though, it's a it's 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 tough. It's rough. Last year, he was one of the worst finishers in the NBA at his position. Um, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I believe he was ran- he ranked in 23rd percentile around the basket, and like I, somewhere in like the 17th percentile, somewhere around there on putbacks. Like he's really good offensive rebounder, but he has terrible touch around the rim right now, and he doesn't have a lot of athleticism. Can't get above the basket. Um, struggles finishing around the basket at all doesn't put pressure on the rim at all in pick and roll situations. Um, and, and the one thing that people are holding on to, and it sounds like the Pistons are trying to hold on to is the fact that he showed glimpses of being able to shoot a little bit, but that was majority his rookie season. This past season, he just refused to shoot like for the majority of the season until like the final seven games. I believe he was attempting like 0.23s a game up until like the final seven games of the season where he, and then he all of a sudden started taking like four a game. Um, so people think that he can become a stretch big. The Pistons have said all offseason they think he can become a stretch big. We'll see if he's able to do that. Obviously, that changes a bunch of things. Um, but I'm not going to buy that until I see it. I'm not going to like freak out over a seven game sample size when I have like a hundred game sample size of you just not shooting at all. Um, so that's that's his biggest question mark. Do I think he can be a starter? No, because he's so in, he's like struggles so much offensively at that position. I feel like he, he I feel like at that position. Like, you can get away with some guys, like, being one-sided in other positions, in my opinion. But, like, at the center position, you usually, like, at the very least, like, the guys you can see rotated in a lot, they're usually just like, okay, you can rim protect and you can catch lobs. Like, you can do those two things. We can just plug you in. You can play. He can't He can't do anything offensively right now. He can't. He's really good offensive rebounder, but he can't take advantage of it. He can't finish around the basket. He struggles in that. And he just refused to shoot last year. Now, again, like I said, they're going to try to change that this year. He's going to be shooting a lot more, apparently. We'll see if he's actually if he does do a good job at shooting. If he does, that changes everything. 
but you, it, you have to wait and see that. Until then, um, I think he's at best a, a, a really good backup big who's really valuable in the playoffs because of his ability to switch one through five. So I think that's valuable, though, at the pick he was selected. I, I say that, and people think I'm hating on him. I think that's really valuable at what, like the 16th, 17th pick to get? I think he's going to be a really good, viable player off the bench. Um, but no, I don't think he's a starter in the NBA. It's funny hearing you say that. They're very different players, obviously, positionally, at, as different as it possibly gets. But it reminds me of how I talk about Davion Mitchell. And I like I like Davion. It's just I have my questions. And I kind of think that he's probably a backup in the league. But there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that everybody is so high on Davion. And I'm like, until this three-point shot is falling and that last year at Baylor isn't just a clear outlier like it is right now, I just have my question marks. So, But I, I think that everything you laid through with with uh, Beef Stew, great nickname, by the way, uh, makes a whole lot of sense. And it'll be interesting to see how he projects moving forward. But having Jalen Duran there obviously uh, probably helps feel a little bit more comfortable when it comes to the long-term center. Uh, after that, who on this team like really interests you towards towards the back end? I, I don't know if it's like Diallo or Knox or Isaiah Livers. I've seen kind of get some excitement. Um, is there anybody at towards that we haven't touched on that really intrigues you in this uh, on this Pistons roster? Isaiah Livers, one hundred percent, is the answer. I think Isaiah Livers is going to be probably one of the biggest steals in his draft. I don't think he should have fell to the second round to begin with. I think his his foot injury kind of kind of ruined that for him. I think the Pistons got a steal with him. And when he returned um, to the lineup, I, he missed like the first, like, I forget how many games, even like the first 50 or something games because of that foot injury he had at Michigan. Um, he came in and was instantly closing games. He was instantly one of the mo- most valuable players on the court. He's, I think what really goes a long way with him is that he had Jawan Howard as a coach. And he talked about this a lot in some interviews is that like Jawan Howard didn't just drill into him college concepts. They like drilled in NBA concepts on defense and offense. So he came in and was probably already their best team defender instantly. Like as soon as he started playing, he was already like their best team defender on the wing easily. Um, And he's what he shoot like 41% from deep this past season too. He has a long sample size of being an incredible shooter. So I think he's going to be one of those guys who I honestly thought he had a sneaky, a sneaky chance at starting this year before the Bogdanovich trade. A lot of us thought that he should be starting. He would bring a lot of spacing, an incredible team defender. And the thing about him, he's constantly talking on both ends. He knows how to play the game. He's a little bit older than everybody else, so I, I guess that explains why. he's. I think he's 24 right now. Um, but he knows how to rotate offensively, knows where to go to the open spots to get his catch-and-shoot threes. He knows the player he is. He's not going to go out there and try to do things he can't do. And then defensively, he knows where to go on switches. He knows where to go on rotations. He knows the scram switch. I don't know um, to describe what a scram switch is. Like if your guard gets stuck on a big down low and he's on the opposite side, weak side, he'll rotate over, get that quick switch so he can get on the bigger guy. He's he's just an incredibly, incredibly smart player, an incredible shooter. Um, and again, like I said, one of their best, if not the best team defender on the team. So I think I think he he's going to have a really good future. I, I've said before I think he's going to be one of those guys that contenders and really good teams are going to call the Pistons about and try getting off their team. And he's going to end up moving on and doing some great things. I could see him like being a, a guy who literally averages like 15 points a game just off again like eight threes up a game. Like I, I I think that's the kind of thing he can do for a team. So I'm really high in Isaiah Livers. I think he's going to be a really nice player in the NBA simply because he's such a he's the literally a prototypical three and D. I know people try to say Sadiq, Sadiq based 3 and D, but he doesn't have defense right now. Isaiah Livers quite literally is just 
three D. That's what he's going to do. And he's going to do it both of those things pretty damn good. So I, I really like Isaiah Lewis. It makes sense. I mean, I definitely understand where the hype comes from. Like you're saying, a team that really struggled to shoot the ball too. Uh, he, he, you see where he fits there, him and Sadiq. And then after that, like, I guess now you're talking about Bojan and then you hope that Cade improves and uh, Alec Burks, I guess is, is a shooter now that uh, that'll be on the roster going into next year. But no, that definitely makes a lot of sense. Um, I also try in each one of these episodes to see if there's any interest in potential package to be made for either of Harrison Barnes or Rashawn Holmes, but I'm assuming with Detroit that it does not make sense. No, actually last year there was a little bit of talk in the Pistons community about getting Rashawn Holmes. Um, but that like went away after obviously getting Bagley and um, yeah, I don't know if the Pistons are going to be interested in either of those yeah, guys sure. right now. I don't think the Pistons really have anything that would help you guys either. I think you guys are trying to win, like get to the playoffs too. So like, I don't know if that makes much sense right now for the Pistons or the Kings. For sure. I, I figured just wanted to make sure. Um, cool. I, I think that's all I got for you, man. You got any, any final thoughts from your side? No, nah, man. I appreciate you having me on, man. It was a lot of fun. Uh, don't everyone out there. I, I, I want to encourage anyone to be taking the over on Piston wins. Don't, don't be going crazy, getting too excited. Um, but I definitely, everyone make sure you be buying that K Cunningham stock. He's going to be a superstar in the league. Make sure you buy that stuff up. Um, but outside of that, man, I ain't got nothing else. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, thanks for hopping on. That's uh, Kukahil at Kukahil, my bad, uh, K-U-K-H-A-H-I-L. I second your Cade Cunningham thoughts. I, I really think superstar, like a lot of people will throw that word around for different guys. I, I really think that it fits with Cade. I think he's that guy. Um, I love Mobley. I still would have taken Cade first and still would take Cade first in hindsight. So absolutely believe it, and I think Detroit's going to be a – a force to be reckoned with here in the future and a fun team to watch uh, just to kind of keep an eye on some young and up and coming talent. So that's all I got here. Um, there's a lot of work coming out right now on the Kings Herald. I just did a breakdown of Casey Akpala. There will be a Moneki one coming out soon. Take a look at that site uh, for all the great work for myself and all the other guys and gals there and take a peek at their Patreon to support local independent Kings coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Kings Pulse podcast, please subscribe, rate and review here for me again in the next couple of days.